This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures. Uh, Half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy. <laughs> Kia ora and welcome to Half Measures Podcast. This is episode 186 and the New Zealand election is here this week. I'm so excited, but despite me campaigning uh, for us to devote this entire episode to the elections, uh, Patreon producers voted against this, so it is business as usual. And speaking of which, here's someone who's always two ticks cool, it's Dan Whining King. Kia ora, Dan. Kia ora, Paul. You've really come in tonight with... Uh a different type of energy, like borderline, like, you know, in those episodes of the Clone Wars, how they have that kind of commentary at the start. Remember, like, yes. Camino, like, like you've almost got that type of energy. Like, you've kind of I'll set the scene. It's a, it's a tone. It's sometimes you need to come in and set that energy, you know. Mm. I, I think sometimes I come in complacent and we shouldn't feel safe in our seats, just like MPs. Anything's up for grabs. Either one of us could lose our job. Not today, though, Paul. Not today. Episode 180. What did we you say? 85? Crikey. 86. 86. Man, we're, we're smashing through. We're on the way to 200. Yeah, and we need to get the celebrations ready for episode 200. Maybe we engage with the community as to how how we best go about that and do that. Um, but before we do that, Dan, shall we jump into what we've been watching because we do have a joint watch this week as well as our movie of the week. So what else have you got for us this week? I've got a couple of things for you this week, Paul, and I, I do like this straight down to business. No, no dilly dallying. So uh, first thing I've got for you is a, a TV show. This is uh, season four of what we do in the shadows. So this is, I'm a bit behind on this TV show, to be honest with you. I've reviewed previous seasons here on the pod and all of season five is actually out as well. So I'm, I'm kind of two seasons behind and I don't know for no reason or another, I, I just kind of lost track of it. And now, now I'm back. So, uh, I've been watching this on Disney plus. Um, it's also available on neon here in New Zealand. So it's available in two places. Season four, like it's, it's kind of a hard show to talk about without kind of ruining all the, the goofs and the gags. But, um, what we do in the shadows, basically, but a bit of a spin-off TV show from the the What We Do in the Shadows um, movie that was sort of based here in New Zealand. But basically, we we follow the the nightly lives of four vampires who have lived together on Staten Island for over a century, and this this is such a great fun TV show, Paul. Like I, I feel like I, I rave about it every time I talk about it. It's got mm. such a a fun kind of like star-studded cast. It's it's got that classic kind of almost like because it's kind of film documentary style like it kind of reminds me a little bit of like the office at times um the the vampires themselves um leslo and nandor and uh Nadja, like they're just they're so like just self-obsessed characters who who only care about themselves um you've got my favorite character of all time colin uh, Colin Robinson, the the energy vampire. So you know, much like people listening to this podcast, we're, we're draining the energy just by by right. them kind of hearing us talk about these TV shows. Um, season four, if you if you haven't seen the show at all, I'd highly recommend jumping into it. So so this is this is based in America as opposed to the movie, which is based in New Zealand. But but there's some there's some slight crossovers and and it's a similar style humor. So so that really translates well. Season four ramps things up again. Um, I, I don't want to. It's hard to talk about without sort of giving spoilers of it. But we have things in this TV show like uh, home renovations. We've got uh, Gomero, who is the familiar to Nandor. He he turns out he's got the um, Van Helsing bloodline in him, so he's he's kind of super resistant and. Um, kind of strong and can fight vampires. We've got vampire night markets where you know there's there's big battles. We've got. Um, 
genies that create wishes. Like, you know, one of the ridiculous things is Nandor, who's one of the, the main vampires in the houses. He finds this old genie lamp in his house. He gets all these wishes. He He's looking for the love of his life. So he's at about 37 wives over his life. So he wishes them all to come back. And then he sort of realizes that they're kind of a little bit annoying. And so he has to sort of work out a way for to sort of like cull down the 37 wives. And so what he'll do is he'll be like, go and collect your gold coin from the gin and have that sort of the code word for the for the genie to kind of make that wife dis- disappear. So there, there's all sorts of um, fun adventures to be had in this TV show. It, it's a really easy TV show to watch. It's, um, you know, you can kind of, great palate cleanser, great one to sort of watch with your, your eating your dinner, end of the evening, just just highly recommended and, and a lot of fun. I have to admit, I am surprised how late you're bringing it to the pod. Because you're someone, if you don't mind me saying, who, if it's something you like and it's out, you're like first through the door. You're like, you know, the people that queue outside the Apple store at three o'clock in the morning. You're like, you're, you're second in queue, if not front. And so not is not only is season four been out for some time, but season five is dropped as well. So I presume you might be bringing that along in the next few weeks. Yeah, look, and I'm, all, I'm already straight into season five. So um, it, it's, I don't know what it was. It just kind of, it just it just fell off the radar and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, mm. my God, I'm, I'm sort of two seasons behind. So it's been really fun to kind of jump into and binge. And, like, each episode's only kind of, you know, 30, 30-ish minutes. Each season's 10 episodes. So it's, it's like, nicely paced and nicely timed. So it's mm. a very easy watch. Is it? Because, of course, you know, Jermaine Clement is still, you know, he's the creator. But when you talk about it, it's now U.S., has it? You said there was some crossover with New Zealand. Like, is it? Is it? So it's not filmed here in any way. But is there any sort of production teams behind the scenes or anything like that? Well, I think um, there's two things. So you, there's definitely a a flavour of New Zealand writing, also that, that sort of Kiwi humour in there. The other thing is sometimes um, there's a vampiric council, um, and there are some members from the original movie that sometimes appear in in this TV show. So that so they kind of have cast crossover in that sense. Okay. I do. The reason I jumped in and said Colin before you did was because I do sometimes listen to you, Dan. I do. And I the, the thing that you said the, that resonated with me the most when you did the season three review was this character, Colin, and the very idea of someone that just drains the energy out of you. Because as you and I well know, there are people in this world that do that during the daylight hours. And that alone as a as a as a character feature as a premise is enough to make me consider this show what what's really i'm going to really drop a sort of big spoiler now so maybe jump jump ahead a minute if you do want to watch this season one of the things that happens to colin robinson in this season is he's something happens where he kind of is reborn and he kind of like rapidly grows up again but you know, as a as a kid, he's still kind of got these energy draining tendencies. Like he's basically he's telling all the vampires about you know what he's been building in Minecraft or what he's doing with his Roblox, and he's just kind of like <laughs> he's just going on and on about all these like or his Lego, and he's like, and he's just he. There's some charm to like you know when you, when I think about kids and then sort of telling you about here's what I've done in Minecraft and here's what I did with all these things and here's the world I built and you know and it's. It's so well done that he's still kind of draining, even as a as a young child. <laughs> I'm wondering, I'm wondering if there's people out there going, "Do you know what, Paul? You're a bit of a Colin." I wonder, I wonder. I I do have this on my list. I was just looking; it's already added to list. So, um, who knows? I may I may surprise you one day, like I did with with um, Ozark, and just come along with a couple of seasons. Yeah, look, I I think. I, the way I, I would really treat this as a as, as a palate cleanser, and so you know, you like, I don't binging it isn't. It's not the type of show where you need to binge. I'm just kind of binging it because it's kind of like it's there and, it, and it's it's easy watching. But you know, an episode a night, two episodes a night, perfect. This is this is perfection. Very good. Anything else, then? I do. I have one other thing. Um, I got um, I was invited out to the movies on uh, Friday Watch night. It. I know, right? Like, you know, it's it's all happening in my neighborhood. Um, went and saw 
the creator at the movies. So this is a movie which is kind of like loosely been on my radar, but not on my radar. And so the creator is basically, it's sort of set against the backdrop of a, a war between humans and robots with artificial intelligence. And a former soldier finds a secret weapon, a robot in the form of a young child. And so this movie is made by Gareth Edwards, who we know and love obviously from mm. Rogue One. Um, but it's kind of been really kind of praised this movie for both its storytelling and and kind of it, it's so well produced and shot. It's got amazing special effects. And though I sort of knew a bit about this movie, I'd actually completely avoided the trailers. Not really intentionally. I just I, these days I just I just tend to kind of stay away from trailers. So I really went into this movie kind of blind, to be honest. And Paul. This is a this is a top ten movie. This is a oh wow yeah. This is this is really really good. So um, it's got uh, John David Washington, so Mr. Denzel Washington's son, who you know we're probably most familiar with him in in Tenant. Um, mm-hmm. And this this really is a it's an it's an interesting story because it's basically the without going too deep into spoilers. Basically, what happens is um, mankind and AI kind of end up at war because um, AI has been kind of basically blamed for dropping a bomb on LA. And now there's kind of this this rising kind of battle between, between uh, AI and, and humans. And in particularly, like like in, in America, for example, they're, they're completely anti any AI, but over in what they're calling New Asia, they're heavily in support of AI. And so... The whole show has got a kind of a, a Terminator vibe because they're looking mm-hmm. for the creator um, of of AI. The who's kind of the 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 author, or as the title suggests, the creator of it. And it's just a it's a really great movie. Like it's a little bit long. That would probably be my one critique of it. But as far as sort of a like a a different take on um, and a modern take on sort of human versus AI. I think it's got some quite deep meanings and messages behind it. Absolutely amazing cast, amazing action. I would almost say, if you can, go into it as blind as possible. Um, okay. I, I think, like, f- for me, and I, you know, this is the same way I went into the, the Logan movie and I just had the best time. And I had the best time with this movie as well. So I, it's probably hard to go on blind because this is a sort of a, this is a big Hollywood blockbuster, but it's a it's a great movie and a really good support cast as well. Um, from what I can see throughout, like um, Gemma Chan, who I really enjoyed in in Humans and Extrapolations, um, Ken Watanabe from Inception, Batman Begins. It looks like there's a lot of superb uh, cast across this movie, and the one thing for me is. Whenever people bring up AI, and I'm surrounded by a few IT geeks who are all excited about it, and I have to admit, I just tire with the whole, like, oh, are you pro? I'm like, I really don't know. But I feel like going into a movie like this probably is a good way for me to, A, learn, because that's how I learn, right, TV and movies, um, and and B, to maybe get a little bit more levelled up. Well, and I think, you know, this this is the thing, I think, from you know, well, actually for, for a long time in cinema, but I think, you know, movies like like Terminator really kind of have been the, almost kind of the scaremongering kind of force for a long time and kind of what is, you know, what is Skynet and the, when the machines take over. And this, mm-hmm. I think, is a bit of a different spin on it. And I just think you've got to give, like, the the effects team um, credit here. Like, I don't know if, you can, if you're looking in IMDb at the moment, but just the way they even sort of show the the AI units and they've kind of got like half faces on them and they've got, you can't see the machinery in their back of their head. It's a, uh, it's so well done. Very interesting. I wonder when this might come on streaming because I'll be keen. I'll be keen. If you're, if you're labeling this down, you're using big words when you're saying top 10 movie, I'm think this could be almost like a, a revisit movie of the week potentially. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think this is, I would imagine because it's only just kind of hit cinemas now, like we were we were kind of coming in fresh. Like it's maybe early in the new year, and I, like I'd definitely be down for a rewatch. Um, it's, mm. it's just that type of movie. So, yeah, I would love to kind of 
watch it again, watch it with you, do a real deep dive into some of the the messages and the context and the and the effects behind it. So I reckon, yeah, let's get it on the, the joint watch radar. Very good. That is me, Paul. So yeah, what we do in the shadows and off to the movies to see the creator. How about yourself? So this week, Dan, I am bringing in a five-part TV miniseries. Wow. Um, this is on Netflix, and it is called Treason. It's a 2022 uh, TV miniseries, so not a season one, definitely a one and done. And it stars um, Daredevil himself, uh, Mr. Charlie Cox, as Adam Lawrence, uh, who who plays someone who was trained and groomed by MI6. And with his career seemingly set out in front of him, the past catches up with him in the form of Kara, a, a Russian spy. And we've met Kara before in uh, Quantum of Solace and many other movies that Olga Kurilenko has starred in. And their pasts really complicate things and he's forced to question everything and everyone in his life. So it's one of those types of things where someone's career is on track and then suddenly something from the past comes up and everything gets thrown thrown up into the mix. It's um, from the writer of Bridge of Spies. Is this one that's been on your radar or you've seen or anything? Um, no, this is uh, not on my radar at all, but you're saying all the right things. I'm, I'm definitely intrigued. Yeah, it's... There's a lot about this that's great. There's also a lot about this which I have issues with. But the great is two main things. One, the cast. So alongside Charlie Cox and Olga Kolenko, we also have, um, and I know I should know how to pronounce this because I've been told by Irish people how to do it, um, Kieran Hines, I think, was how we're supposed to say it, who we've seen in many things. He was absolutely superb. Adam James, uh, who you and I enjoyed in um, the... Oh, my goodness, my brain post-COVID is awful. The one with the submarine that they were... I know the you one know you mean. I mean. Yep. Okay, good one. that you yep. don't know the name either. Um, and it's really nice uh, from a Charlie Cox perspective. It's it's really really nice. Um, Vigil that was the name of it. Vigil. Um, we've got a second season of that coming up. I think um, it's really nice having Charlie Cox in this, playing someone with a British accent because I think sometimes I associate him so much with Daredevil that I forget that he's British and that his accent is. And it's kind of like you need to sort of see him in a few different things, you know, before you sort of remember well I do anyway um and I just thought he was I'm not gonna say he's even better than Daredevil but I I felt he was even more convincing in this specific role I felt like he really sold the part sold the drama so that's the first thing that's great the, the 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 cast but the second thing is just the nature of it the the adrenaline there's action drama it's a you know it's a bit of a thriller a bit of suspense things happening in the shadows you're never quite sure who's you know it's one of those ones where you're like we're following this main protagonist but are they actually the bad guy one of those types of things so that's really really good five episodes really easy to to watch my issue with it and that this is where and i put this on a sort of like an equal level with the good is as i always complain about the writing and it's just there's just too many things that happen where you start saying things like, what are the chances of that? Oh, that's convenient. Or just they sort of work around plot points with some pretty, uh, I don't know, just convenient things occurred so that then a character finds out something about another character. And I just sometimes, and I'm just flicking through some of the, the reviews here. And there's a lot of people saying similar things. So I'm, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm being too harsh here. Um, but despite that, I'd still recommend it because I just love that type of genre. I love the cast and I love the energy of it and a one and done five episodes. I think too, it's got fairly consistent reviews, right? Like it kind of sits around that kind of seven out of 10 point with you know, a pretty consistent number of um, contributions to those scores. So that, that's good. And I think sometimes I feel like when you know it's a one and done miniseries, you can be a little bit more lenient on, you know, how that story is told. Mm. 
And to use a phrase you might use sometimes in reverse, I wonder if this might have been more effective as a movie. Like there was, even within five episodes, there was still a lot of side stories and a lot right. of like, this is what happened in the past type things. And I wonder if they whistled that down really, even if it was like a three hour movie, I don't know. I, it could have worked as a, as a TV movie, I, f- I felt, but um, really good quality in terms of production direction looks good. I am surprised because I've mentioned this to a couple of people and just like you, Dan, no one has heard about it. And yet when you look at the cast, you start thinking, well, surely that would have got someone's attention, but mm. turns out no. It, it is strange, isn't it? Because I feel like definitely a big uh, Charlie Cox fan and it's, it's yeah, it's not familiar to me at all. To be honest, though, I wonder whether this is more of a Netflix problem or a Netflix and me problem because I don't tend to scroll Netflix for new things to watch these days, but I do in other platforms. And or mm. and so I think because Netflix is constantly changing up its algorithm of what it's going to present to you, if it's not kind of in those first couple of tiles, it's so easy to miss things. Yeah, it is. And so if this is your type of genre – um, in a sort of like political, who's the bad guy? You know, bit of MI six. So there's a little bit of there's a bit of Bondy type stuff going on there, but um, it's less so than if you think about um, how do I Tom Hiddleston in, in the in the Night Manager was right, was right. probably a tier above this, but it's oh, of guess- that type. Of, it's of that type of fun. And, um, yes, yeah, so, I'm glad I watched it. So are you sort of implying there's it's more of sort of political intrigue as opposed to sort of like high action scenes, or is there still a bit of, bit of action? There's a bit of both in there. Okay. There's a bit of both. But it's um, it's the spy side of it that mm-hmm. um, you never, you're just never quite sure. And I'm trying to desperately think while I'm talking of things where you and I have watched where we're not sure actually who's – you know, who whose side should we be on here? And I quite like that because you're sort of left guessing to the end. And I guess to its credit, it was only when it sort of got to like the last episode and a half that I was convinced, okay, so this person is actually, mm. they're the one who's been stitched up here. So, yeah. Very nice. Yeah, so that's on Netflix Treason. Um Bit of fun with some mediator writing. I'll be really keen to hear from anyone else who's watched it because, like I say, I've met no one yet. <laughs> so I wonder if anyone else has watched it. But that's me this week, Dan. That's very good. Shall we uh, jump into our joint watch this week? Indeed. So what I love about this week's joint watch, Dan, is, of course, it was a recommendation to us um, from uh, one of our listeners, uh Bruce Gray, who's always in contact with recommendations. And I've got to tell you, he's always on the money. Is he on the money with Blue Lights? We'll find out. Blue Lights is a an Irish Northern Ireland uh, police drama which follows rookie police officers working in Belfast, uh, a city in which being a frontline response cop comes with unique pressures and dangers. I'll tell you, Paul, when someone makes a recommendation, though I do love a good recommendation, it comes with a risk because I've got a spreadsheet that I've kept since basically March 2021 of every TV show and movie I've ever watched. And Nerd. and if you make a recommendation to me, your name goes into that spreadsheet. Oh, and, wow. And so, you know, so in, in my spreadsheet, I've got Blue Lights, when I watched it, when it came out, platform, etc. Who recommended to me Bruce Gray? And then if like you know, say Bruce recommended half a dozen shows, and I also give them a score. So if he's like recommending shows and I'm giving them ones, I know next time Bruce recommends something, how deep I need to look into it. Thankfully think for what the algorithm says about my recommendations, <laughs> that's, that's private and confidential. Um, I think the great news for Bruce is this is fantastic. And I really love this TV show. And what's kind of sad about it is there's a high chance this would have completely gone under my radar because it's yeah. not on – I don't even have the um, the Three Now app downloaded on my TV. Like I had to download the app and get it in, and to watch the show. So it's kind of like opened up a, a whole different world for me. Um, yeah, it's, it's a new platform for us. I, I was going through our stuff and even though – 
halfmeasurespodcast.com does have a three now page with monthly recommendations, FYI. We've never brought a show that's aired on three now to this podcast in 185 episodes. So 186, here we go. Yeah, and so look, this is this is all of the all of the good things, right? So it's it's only six episodes long. It's you know, kind of one of those it's it's police, it's it's kind of that BBC type vibe. Like this is all of the kind of like the the trigger words for us. And so the fact that we're following rookie uh, police officers working in Belfast um is just this is a a great TV show. I think it kind of really starts off strong and fast. I think it, it does lose a little bit of like um the momentum sort of near the near the end, but I, I might they might even be too harsh. Like I, I just really enjoyed seeing these like these young police officers, the struggles that they have to deal with, the intensity of what's kind of on the front line, that the individual kind of journeys that they went on. Um and when I say when I say I lost momentum is I feel like I felt like we were kind of setting up this big bad guy kind of throughout and it didn't quite play out as as blockbuster as maybe I imagined, but maybe maybe I've seen too many blockbusters. How did you find this one? Yeah, I absolutely loved it as well. Interestingly, I had a different uh, take on so th- what you just described there around it started off. Like for me, the biggest thing I would say to anyone who's going to press play on this, and I should say, do use the time codes if you are thinking of watching this, because I think we do have to dive into spoilers and I really would hate for someone to watch this knowing what's happening. So do jump ahead to our movie of the week. Um, I, I think if you're going to press play, this gets better and better as it goes. For me, literally episode by episode, there's a, there's a straight line. And I actually think the first episode is so middle of the road that it's quite possible that this series lost a large number of viewers based on that first episode. Because I know they need to set up the scene and they need to introduce the characters, but you've, you've got to come up with a stronger first episode, I think, because this show's already, you know, as you said, sort of under the radar. It's not going to get the same attention that Line of Duty gets. And yet I think it's of a really high quality. But yeah, you, you've, you've got to come in with a, a stronger first episode and... The same probably is true with this podcast, and I encourage absolutely no one to listen to our first episode. It's it's funny you say that because it's the first episode that that hooked me in, and it was like mm. you know because when you were like oh, I'm gonna gonna check this out, John, and watch it, there's joint review, and I thought oh yeah, I'll, I'll chuck an episode on, and and I was hooked from the first episode. Um, I think is there's something I'm just uh, we, we talk about this all the time on the pod. There's something so intriguing about police and like crime and jails and that it always just kind of draws me in and I think what's kind of cool about this and in this shortly you know it's only six episodes they really kind of take you on a journey with a, quite a few of these characters and you know there'll, there'll be characters that you'll kind of start off kind of bit of a side eye towards not too sure about them and by the end you'll, you you completely have a different respect for them because of the the journey or the experiences that they've had or what what's sort of going on in their personal life and how that kind of plays out with their their role as a as a police officer yeah oh look, there's what you've just said is the very essence of this show and i think that's what i enjoyed the most was the relationship between these these characters and and i think it's rare to, to sort of for me i felt like i really cared about the characters very quickly and i found myself so invested in each of these newbies you know the the new cops and and what was happening to them and you know you want them to succeed and you want to uh, them to to uh, to overcome the difficulties they're going through and the performances from the cast i think i i bought into each of the performances of those characters as well because to flip it around for me with my writer's hat on all the time you can have a really good script but if someone's not delivering it it's also going to fall flat, and I just thought that each of those those new those new cops were were spot on. Yeah, no, it's um, it's I, th- I think too the other thing that really kind of highlights, and it's just like the the lack of respect for for police officers, right? And it's just yeah. like it's so confronting, and and I imagine it's probably like this, you know, even even in New Zealand, like just like people kind of being like spat on and 
punched in the face and just the the abuse that you kind of have to go through and that you have to kind of do it for almost the love of the job or, you know, creating safer communities or whatever it may be? Oh, all the time. I am, um, you know, not to bring this back to the election, but I'm constantly, one of my big things that I look for in party policies is, is around frontline, whether it's nurses, police, whatever, those sorts of roles. Because when you see, especially in something like this and, the the, the 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 picture that was depicted in this particular area of Belfast was 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 quite confronting mm. um and yeah it was it was shocking at times and and I think that probably helped draw you into the to the characters I think just to jump into some of the characters then I would I don't know about you but I would say there's no doubt that my favorite character would actually be Jerry um who I thought was just played immaculately by by Richard Dormer and what happens to him and the the emotion that everyone goes through at the end we're going through that as the audience and I was I was so hooked in that I just I wanted to believe there was a chance that he was going to you know he was going to be okay I wanted more of his humor and gruffness in season 2 so that was a journey but as I said before the journey of those those younger characters and I think in particular um Annie um, played by by Catherine Devlin and Tommy, um, played by Nathan Brenneth, I thought were were absolutely superb. To say nothing of the fact that we had Tommy and Jerry set up, that was brilliant too. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think you're right. I think um, well, Jerry, I, I haven't really seen since Game of Thrones, and it, it was so great to kind of see him in a in this type of role. And obviously, he's a, a very famous actor, but just such a, a great kind of like fatherly mentor type figure to to Tommy yeah. and I, I love the relationship they kind of built and you know I feel like I couldn't think of a harder job to be a a, a rookie in and like you know you all the academy training in the world isn't going to prepare you for what actually happens on the street and you know it's it's there's a saying that um that Jerry had uh, which is his advice that he gave to Tommy, which is take a beat and, you know, like take a moment, think about it, don't just react, take a beat. And it's funny because over the last sort of 10 days, I've found, I've heard myself say, let's take a beat, you know, about, you know, nice half a dozen times, just whether it's in a meeting or in a conversation. And it's, it's just kind of really resonated with me as like, take a beat. Like it just sounds like it's such wise counsel. It really was. And that was exactly the type of character that he, he came across so well, so well written, so well performed, and I think that was why he was my favourite. I, I also, um, there was actually quite a few familiar faces in there as well. You've already mentioned, you know, obviously from, from Game of Thrones, but John Lynch, who we've enjoyed in Line of Duty and in mm. The Fall, um, Darlene Kane, who we would also know from The Fall and also in Rogue One as as um, uh, Lyra Erso. Um, two people I didn't know, um, Sean Brooke and Martin McCann, who played Grace and Stevie, I thought their their characters, their relationship was possibly the most enjoyable to follow it. And it never felt forced. It was natural. And they went from looking like they were never going to get on. They couldn't decide what music to listen to. She was never going to try his cooking to, to being very close by the end. And I just thought the way they did that, that nothing ever felt forced. It all felt natural. And I think... It's what hooks me in is I, I, I feel stupidly, as it might sound, part of this team and I want to go on the journey with them. It's funny, isn't it? Because I think, you know, one of the other interesting things about Grace's character too is, you know, kind of a, a career change a little bit later in life from social worker to uh, yeah. police officer. And I thought it was kind of an interesting one because I, when I think about social workers, I that feels like quite um, – polarizing sort of career choices isn't it so it was sort of interesting for who to then sort of bring in that that real kind of human element to her policing and just kind of how that kind of rubbed up against uh the, the institution of what policing typically is yeah really good observation i we the wife and i watched it and we both picked up on that because she was way more patient she had more empathy she was you know she was sort of dancing along the edge of the line of what she should be doing and shouldn't be doing in terms of wanting to do the right thing for the person versus her own safety and and a lot of those things sort of were synonymous with the types of things that someone in social work might do so I I thought that was again just 
really great writing. It was just just really enjoyable to to see, and and I really thought that um, Hannah's character was well was well written um, as well. She was the one who was in the police basically because of her mum, you know, and 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 was getting special treatment, you know, along with other things going on in the workplace. And I thought the way she, you know. She she was getting an easy ride, so to speak, in terms of that. But we all know someone in like you know in the workplace that has that kind of story where they seem to always get an easy ride. But because it gave this different perspective to what she was going through compared to what at the outset it looked like was going on, again, that was a compelling turnaround because I went from sort of feeling one way by the end having absolute sympathy and, and being invested in what she was going to do. Do you know, Paul, I, like, I think I think that's a good shout. Like she, her character really went on sort of a, a really fascinating arc and and one like I'd definitely be kind of interested to see more see more of. And I think and that's the thing with all of these characters. They 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 you can you could imagine this sort of running for sort of four or five seasons and really kind of seeing them develop to eventually take on kind of rookies of their own. But um I guess Paul, one thing I was just thinking is who would be a great mentor for Tommy Foster? And it really got me thinking, I think we need to roll in Chris Carson, get him over from the UK from the responder. It's Martin Freeman's character. Imagine him coming into this into this universe. Like, sign me up. That that's the crossover I want. This is this but, is the the Marvel DC crossover of uh, BBC police TV shows. We always talk about this. I think the the one that most recently resonated with me was the idea of um, Lincoln Lawyer and Bosch both being oh, in LA, yeah. sort of crossing over would be good. But you're right. This would having a having a scouse. <laughs> Madden Freeman go to go to Belfast for a, to, to do a shift over there would be a great little um, crossover because you're right um, he would have that sort of that mental relationship but um, it's going to be interesting to see season two because they're going to be they're not going to be the the new kids on the block anymore and they're going to be a little bit more experienced and not going to have all of the old hands there to help them out so I think I'm really that's going to be really interesting to see. And I hope that there's more scenes of like I really loved all the scenes in the I don't know what they call it like the locker room or the or the tea room and all those interactions between the old hands and the newbies. Mm. It was um, yeah, just great. This has been a great TV show. In fact, I've probably recommended it to three or four people since watching it. You know, when they're like, yeah, "Oh, same. what are you watching at the moment?" and and it's it just it feels so accessible, so easy to jump into. It's it's a great kind of you know two or three night binge you're going to have a good time yeah it really is and like i said by the time for me by the time you get into those final couple of episodes you, you're so hooked and you you just want there to be another episode to press play on and, and there's not but yeah as i say it looks like we're going to get that second season and after having to wait some time because it was a couple of months ago that bruce first tweeted or whatever you call it us and said hey is this on your radar and it sort of like kept an eye out for it it's taken a while to get it but um been worth the wait. Great shout, Bruce. Uh, it's, you've got a you've got a, a, a five rating on my spreadsheet so far. So um, if anyone else wants to write in, let us know some great TV shows to watch. With great power comes great responsibility, but um, we're here for it. It is. You too could end up on a spreadsheet. Um, so that's our joint watch. We also, of course, have our joint review of our movie of the week where – as always, Dan and I take it turns to choose a movie to watch and review. We announce a week in advance what that movie will be in our Discord community, which you can join if you'd like by just clicking on the link in the show notes of your podcast. And this week, Dan, we have gone with the 2023 movie Champions. Yeah, so this is the uh, the latest movie from Bobby Farrelly. So this is about a, a former minor league basketball coach who is ordered by the court to manage a team of players with intellectual disabilities. He soon realises that despite his doubts, together the team can go further than they ever imagined. Um, this is a, a bit of a different movie, I think, from um, Bobby Farrelly, and it almost kind of has a bit of a Mighty Ducks vibe to me. Like, you know, mm. the, you've got the coach who kind of – you know, does something wrong, particularly in this case, very similar to the Mighty Ducks, like, you know, gets involved with a, a DUI, gets community kind of service, goes to a 
basically grow and support a team, doesn't want to do it, eventually falls in love with them. And it's it's kind of one of those feel-good movies. Um, it's it's kind of got the tag of comedy, but it's it's not comedy in, I think, the classic um, Bobby, Fer- Bobby Farrelly way. Because when I think about his movies, like I think about things like, um, I don't know, Me, Myself and Irene, There's Something mm-hmm. About Mary, um, Kingpin, The Ringer. Like there's the, it's not that sort of movie, but it, it's still a, as I say, this is a very good sort of like heartfelt movie. These these young people that he's working with the coach, um, they they really steal the show. I think in a lot of the scenes, um, some of them have got some some great kind of some great moves, you know, around whether they're kind of like copying basketball moves or trying to pull off like crazy kind of jump shots. It's it's like this is this is this is literally a modern day. Mighty Ducks, feel mm. good Sunday afternoon movie. Like it kind of fits quite nicely into that category for me. What did you think of this one? Yeah, definitely the feel good was there, and I I don't think anyone could watch this and not have those feelings throughout because it does get you in that way, and it's and it's it's nice. It 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 really is. I think where I like you touched on. I, I possibly, and you'd think after this many years you you wouldn't do this, but I just came in with an assumption or an expectation of, of what I might be getting myself into. Because like you said, when you think of Bobby Farrelly, and to add to your list, you know, Dumb and Dumber 2, uh, Hall Pass, Shallow Howl, there's a lot of, you know, Stuck on You. There's a lot of movies there which are out and out blatant comedies, which if anything, maybe take the comedy too far sometimes, and maybe sometimes the comedy is a bit too satirical. I don't know, but I kind of got it in my mind what I was getting. And the one I was specifically focused in on, maybe because of the sport, was Kingpin. And I love that movie because Woody Harrelson was, you know, with opposite Bill Murray, was just so good. And there was less laughs or less, there was less uh, emphasis on the comedy and more on the, on the, on the serious side and the, the struggles and the relationships and, and those things were fine, but fine doesn't always get you all the guns. Indeed, indeed, it's um, yeah, I and it's funny because when you really think about it, there's no way this movie could have ever been a kingpin type movie, right? Like it was no, always going no. to be like the, the the subject matter is is far too serious and not serious, but like it's it's not it's it's never going to be that type of genre but I, and i feel like they've almost tried to market it as that which i actually wonder whether maybe a sort of it's it's been hit a bit hard in the reviews because when when you kind of shift your mental model that no this this is a actually it's a it's a sport drama feel good movie i mm. kind of look at it through um a different lens and, and and in those categories it's really good like i think the the young people that they've got to act in this, um, just so, so, like they've got some amazing sort of comedic timing, and I bet they had a lot of fun uh, on the basketball court, on and off the basketball court. I think making this film, um, there there is generally a good sense of community and, and family about this film. No doubt at all. No doubt at all. Really, really feel good. It feels to me like a. If if you know that going in, and it's like a Sunday afternoon on the couch type thing, I think you're going to have a lot of um, a lot of fun with it. Woody Harrelson as well as the lead, he has a good balance. I think that's needed across that that sort of the the serious and the comedy side. He's still someone who fascinates me as an actor because I just can't disassociate him from Cheers even after all these years and I I, rem- I remember talking about this at length when we reviewed Solo the, you know, it's um but his pedigree his acting is, is is he's getting better with age I think is what I mean yeah no I think you're right like I think I, I'm the same he's he's always going to be just Woody to me from Cheers like and it's like everything else is kind of like acting on top of me Woody but it's yeah. um it's it's interesting how that's kind of just stuck with him as almost like a bit of a, a persona. But um, no, look, I I think there's not. I don't have too much more more to say about this one. I think, you know, take take that kind of Mighty Ducks vibe if that's what you're looking for more of. If you enjoy a good sort of sports drama, if you like a good sort of 
feel-good story. This has got all those components for you. I think this is probably, for me, uh, a, a two-and-a-half guns. How about you? Yeah, I think I would go around the, the two-and-a-half mark as well. And um, if you are wanting to watch that one, you can find it here in New Zealand streaming on Neon. Very good. What's the uh, what's the pick of the week for you this week, Paul? Yeah, it's a straightforward one this week uh, for me, and that is Blue Lights. Um, the hype was real. The spreadsheet doesn't lie. It's everything we just talked about. It's um, We talk about a lot of police shows, and I think it's worth mentioning that, and I know I'm guilty of that. I particularly bring a lot into this podcast, and we often talk about the top half of the table, the bottom half. This is top half of the table. Mm-hmm. This is knocking on the door of a Champions League spot in that league table. What about you? Yeah, look, I it's tough for me this week because I could almost put any one of the three things we've watched. I think because you've given blue lights the nod already, I'm going to have to go with the creator because like it's been a long time since I've been to a the movie theatre this year as, as a blockbuster like this and and I generally did have a, a really good time and I really do look forward to to rewatching this one and kind of talking about it a little bit deeper so um yeah the creator for me go and check it out at the theatre if you get a chance that's awesome let's uh let's see if the news desk has anything of interest this week Dan what have you got I've got a couple of things for you. So what have we got first? Um, so Vikings Valhalla is going to end with season three. That's currently in the works over at Netflix. So um, I've actually, it's, this is another TV show I've kind of fallen off on a little bit. Like I, I haven't watched the second season, so I need to, I need to get it together, Paul, and uh, get up to date before season three drops. Mm-hmm. Um James Gunn has recently reported, and I, I know you're a bit hot and cold on this. <laughs> I was going to bring this. I'm glad you have. Uh, he that we won't see any of the Justice League stars reprise their roles going forward. So, I think that's it's very interesting. I think, look, I think to be honest, for for better or worse, maybe if you're going to do a full reset, like this, this is the clean restart that we need. Even though I, I do think there is some good casting in there, Paul. I'm sure you've got some thoughts before I move on on this one. Yeah, look, I I think it's no surprise that it's a, a clean sweep. However, very cleverly worded what you just said, and that was cleverly worded in the in the Variety article was that they won't be reprising their character roles. But there is a number of rumours um, that some of the cast will return, but playing other characters which i find quite odd quite like for me i'm like i don't need to see any of them in other characters but that's apparently a real possibility yeah i actually saw one just before we're coming on the pod actually of uh jason momoa potentially yes um, he's one yeah, as, yeah, nice. as lobo so um and i he would be a great fit for that character too so look who knows um I think watch this space. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of sort of news and announcement uh, in the the coming months. Speaking of superheroes, apparently the Fantastic Four director says they're aiming to start filming in spring 2024. So, you know, Fantastic Four has been a, you know, there's been quite a few attempts at this movie, I think. I feel like Marvel's getting a little bit shaky in itself, so I'll be intrigued to see whether they can um, stick the landing on this one. But again, time will tell. Moving over into the the Doctor Who space pool, so this is uh, more for our fans over in the UK, so over 800 episodes are going to be available on BBC iPlayer um, of Doctor Who, so very exciting for all of the the Who fans out there. I'm still waiting to find out where Who is going to sit here in New Zealand or anywhere else, and I've just presumed it's going to be Disney because they've, they've purchased the rights, but hearing what you've just said, who knows what... Who knows? Who who knows? I'll tell you one thing that is weird about this uh, headline. So BBC iPlayer, like iPlayer feels like, it's such a weird word, isn't it? Like obviously there's like iPhone and iPod and stuff, but like iPlayer feels feels so dated. But um, anyway, what do I know, Paul? This next bit of news, this 
this might be right up your alley, or you know, maybe, maybe not. So Jerry Seinfeld has recently teased the continuation of his uh, hit 90s sitcom Seinfeld. So it was in a, a live stand-up geek. Uh, he was sort of asked a question about the ending of Seinfeld, and he basically implied that there's there's more to tell, but he, he can't kind of reveal any more details at this time. Paul, coming to you live, what is your thoughts on a potential continuation or what might this mean from your perspective? Well, it's not nothing. I am, I, uh, so I'm very close to finishing my rewatch of Seinfeld all nine seasons and I will bring it to the pod for us to have a bit of a chat around because it is just absolutely exceptional. It is dangerous to revisit and of course, in Kirby Enthusiasm, they do bring the cast back together. And I think the with everything that happened with Michael Richards, that's one thing um, that makes it a bit of a an, an odd one. But just like I was talking about with Frasier, you know, it's like um, the idea of everyone coming back together works mainly if you've got everyone coming back together. And so with Frasier, he hasn't got Niles. He hasn't got, you know, his dad. And so that feels odd. But this, of course, we could have everyone back. We could have Wayne Knight back as as as, as Newman. So um, I am quite intrigued by this. I, I mean, I'll be there. I'll be there 100%, but they have oh, yeah. to write yeah. it well. Yeah, look, I think I, look, I'm going to be there as well, like, regardless. It did make me wonder briefly, maybe could it be less of a continuation, but could it be like a, you know, like the Friends reunion, the Fresh Prince of Belly, like, like could it be some type of reunion oh, type show? That. that would be, I, I mean, we, we enjoyed both of those. They were both, I thought, very, very good. And and I wonder whether that would maybe be a better way to kind of like tell stories, have some great conversations, still get some of that classic Seinfeld humor. And you could imagine them kind of like conducting this whole interview in the Seinfeld set. Like it, you know, that, that was my sort of first thought anyway. Who who knows what direction that's going to go in? No, I'll I'll be there, whatever it is. But um, there's there's shows and then there's shows, and some shows are special and sometimes it works well. Picard season three is is a superb example of that. Do you know? I was just thinking earlier about how old people are getting on with it. I was thinking about Frasier because that's going to start up soon. And I'm like, how can he still be doing this? And I just had a look at it and I've worked out doing the maths here. Frasier was in his thirties, not in Cheers, but in the TV show Frasier. Kelsey Grammer was in his his late thirties, admittedly, but still his thirties. And yet when I think about Frasier in, in the, I just think surely he's 50. It's incredible. That's how he's still going. That's crazy because I, if you'd said to me Harold was Fraser and Fraser, I definitely would have said late fifties because he's, yeah. you know, he's accomplishing his career. He's got a fancy apartment. Like it just doesn't make sense. Like no one in doesn't his thirties is it, living that life. Crazy. Doesn't make any sense, and it just doesn't. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I've, you and I have watched a number of Seinfeld um, stand-ups or whatever, and of course his voice has still got that great Seinfeld sound. So, mm-hmm. um, any excuse for George Costanza, of course. Um, final couple of bits of news from me. So this is actually quite topical. So when I was at the, at the movies watching The Creator, they had a, a trailer for Ridley Scott's Napoleon. And this movie looks really great, Paul. Really, really good. I, I, I can't wait to see Joaquin Phoenix as, as Napoleon. But there's, um, Ridley Scott has actually just come out and said when this gets shifted over to Apple TV, which is where it's going to live, it's going to get a four hour, 10 minute director's cut. Like this is, Dances with Wolves. This is Titanic Uncut. This, this is this is this is big. This is Zack Snyder's Justice League. It is. It is. <laughs> That's it exceptional. Is. Um, and then the final bit of news for me. So the Crown season six release date and teaser have dropped. So part one um will be getting on the sixteenth of November, and part two on the fourteenth of December. Make sure you pop the kettle on. Kettle okay, will be on for that. Very excited. I did see that. And uh, yeah, there's something about that show that always draws me in instantly and has a very grand feeling. And I always get right into it. And I'll be there for that season for sure. But that is me, Paul. Any other news on your end? Okay, so I do have a couple of things. Um, Firstly, um, and this is a little bit naughty, but um, because it's rumour, 
And so is it news? But I can't help myself. Um, but Christopher Nolan is apparently in talks to direct the, the next two James Bond movies, both of which are set uh, in the 1950s. Now, who knows if that's a, if that's rubbish or not? It is from a, an, a, uh, an account or you know that has like over a million followers. Whether that counts for anything, I don't know. But putting all of that aside. The idea of Nolan directing Bond is exciting. The idea of Bond being set in the 50s is very different as well. I'm just curious what you might think about that. Um, this this is like Seinfeld. I'm 100%, 100% there for a Nolan Bond, I think. This is... I can just imagine the, the the dark, the gritty, the kind of the the action, the storytelling. Like this, this is perfect. I I want this a lot. Great. Well, let's see how that unfolds. And of course, who would play Bond? Probably the biggest question of all. Um, we'll see when we get there. Um, Killian Murphy, obviously. Like, if we're well, going to get, you know, if, if we're getting Nolan, like, he's got his core crew of actors, right? Like, it, it probably in, increases the chances of like a Tom Hardy. It could definitely be a, a Killian Murphy. It, you could easily even see like a, oh, who else? Maybe like, you, you, maybe this does even bring back back to the table the like the Idris Elba, like, particularly if they're going for a a two movie arc in the fifties. Could be, could be anyone. Oh, it could, it could. Um, the only other thing I have news-wise, Dan, I've sent a link in our chat there for you to to click onto, and um, this this is an IMDb list. With there's many ways you can look at IMDb stuff. I'm discovering, and this is a list of the top 198 New Zealand uh, talk show podcasts as rated by IMDb users. And I'll give you a second, Dan, just to see wow. if you can find how far up the list of 198 we are, Dan. Can you see us yet? We, uh, we're number one. This is... Uh... It's unbelievable. It's incredible. Number one. We're you know, above Jono and Ben. I saw above um, Tim Morrison's pod, The Rock, TVNZ's Breakfast Podcast. Number one, against all odds. It's, it's like... It's like Nottingham Forest going up against Man City, taking all three points to pit them and then win the league. It's that unlikely. But there it is. It's 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 a real thing. It's on IMDb. It's not something I made up. That's why I wanted to do it with a link. It is... I, already, I just... I, <laughs> I'm just like questioning all the data and all the... Like, is, this, is this real? <laughs> is this, you know... Is, right. Something's not right here. I don't know, but it was very pleasing to see. If anything, I'm annoyed that my work colleagues aren't asking for signed autographs. Uh, of the half measures blu-ray or that i'm not recognizing the street more actually scratch that i can't stand being approached by people i even know in public so no one would want that anyway i thought it was a bit of fun so i thought i'd share that with you dan um i'll take us across to the mailbag um quite shocking dan and not just because of the fact that there's a strike going on and most celebrities aren't engaging on social media but also because this is star wars in Disney that never lets anyone out to play. This week, our uh, review of Ahsoka, our Instagram story, was viewed by Ahsoka herself, Rosario Dawson, or at least whoever manages that account. I'm not completely, you know, so stupid to think that maybe it wasn't her on her iPhone flicking through Instagram. Maybe it was her publicity team. But in my mind, then, it's Ahsoka. Her co-star, Diana Lee Inosanto, who played Morgan. And we also got a like... Uh, we got a like from Jedi Ezra Bridger himself, um, Iman Esfandi. So not bad. In fact, alongside Mark Hamill, um, still, I think, my biggest social media scoop of all time. That's now three Jedi that have crossed our path. So surely we can get a seat on the council now. Look, I think the the thing is, Paul, is... Ahsoka's got a lot of time on Peridia to, you know, she's, she's got all the time in the world to be <laughs> scrolling right. kind of Instagram. So I appreciate that she's taking the time to, to look at our story. And I, in this case, refuse to believe that she has a, a social media manager. And I've yeah. imagined her, like, she's she's sitting on the couch. She's literally flicking through. She's checking out the latest episode of Half Measures. This is the way. That's the way I like to look at it as well. I, I showed my 14-year-old son this on my phone as well and said, look, 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 you know, that's how you could see. And I think for the first time in a long time, he kind of looked at me with respect and, 
you know, rather than sort of looking at me how he normally does, which is like pitying in my oldness or my tiredness. And you know what? I'll take it. Um, we also, what else have we got here? So we had um, Donna Janet from somewhere in New Zealand gone in touch. Uh, and she liked your review of The Equalizer and commented on that, that the Kiwi actor in The Equalizer, uh, and you're going to forgive me, I don't know how you pronounce his name, and I've, I think I've tried this before, Maton um, Kazokas, um he should have got an Oscar nomination for his role in this, but uh, he was robbed, she said. And I may not be able to pronounce his name, but he's from Invercargill, and he's always good value. And we've seen him a few times now. I was looking through his profile. We've seen him in The Last the last Duel, which we reviewed last year, in Noah, Born Supremacy, Lord of the Rings, Attack of the Clones. And I also hear he's good in The Luminaries as well, which I haven't seen. But um, love that shout um, for a Kiwi actor within The Equalizer. Uh, what else have we got? Oh, so one other thing um, regarding our review of Ahsoka last week. Um, we were talking about Admiral Akbar. Is it him or is it not? And I sort of said, you know, I knew that the voice actor had passed away, but I was surprised they didn't get Tom Kane in to voice him like he did in the in the sequels as well. Well, our trusted colleague from the Republic of Ireland, uh, Paddy Fox, um, said that unfortunately Tom Kane actually recently suffered um, a stroke and forced him to retire. Um, apparently he's doing much better now, but he has retired. And it's interesting because at the start of the podcast, you said that my intro was like the Clone Wars narration. Mm. That was Tom Kane who does those narrations at the start of each episode. So he did Akbar. So it's sad, um, but it maybe gives further weight that maybe it was Akbar and he was having a quiet day. We'll take it. We'll take it. Um, Before we go to last week's peak performance um, of Hugh Jackman, there were two late entries that came in for Harvey Keitel, and I just thought they were were pretty cool, so I thought I'd mention them. Firstly, we had Norman Lau um, from Star Trek HQ at Roddenberry.com. He went with a deep cut of 1977's The Duelists, uh, which uh, Harvey Keitel was opposite um, Keith Carradine. and perhaps the deepest of cuts we've ever received from anyone for a peak performance uh, comes from uh, Danae Torn in Santa Monica, California, who says that she saw Harvey Keitel live on stage in 1985 in uh, Sam Shepard's A Lie to the Mind. And she said that she loved him in it so much that she went to see it several times. Um, but unfortunately, they never made any recordings of it back in the 80s. So, um, so yeah, that, I kind of that resonated with me because... It reminds me of when I saw Patrick Stewart live on stage back in 1993 at the Old Vic in London doing a Christmas carol. And there's something that a live performance gives that can never be surpassed, I think. Mm-hmm. That's a very good shout. Um, last week, Hugh Jetman. So our choices this week, we had Geek Girl Review from Across the Pond over in Aussie. She went with The Greatest Showman. And from here on in... We have similar picks all the way. Um, Diana from the Capital Coast here went with the Wolverine. Uh, Mr. Chalmers from the good old Tar Heel State in the USA gave us honourable mention of Prestige, peak performance of Logan. And finally, Paddy from Time Travelling Team Podcast, 321, Les Mis, because Paddy is cultured after all. The Prestige and peak performance was also Logan. So that's our mailbag this week, Dan. We are very in sync with our choices around Prestige and Logan this week, which is uh, always nice to know that we're not alone. Yes, popular selections. Shall we move to this week's peak performance, then? Indeed we shall. So each week, uh, Paul and I take turns choosing different actors, directors, producers, and we choose what we think is their peak performance. This week, Paul, um, you have chosen Scarlett Johansson. Indeed, yes. Yeah. So... Did a quick check of our website because you know we're getting to the point now where I'm like, have we done that person? Because you know my memory's awful. Haven't actually done a peak performance for Scarlett Johansson, so I knew instantly what my peak performance would be. Honorable mention, I had a few in contention, but in the end, ironically, I went with 2006's The Prestige, and I think I don't know. This may be I may be wrong, but I feel like this is the first time that the same movie has come up in back to back podcasts for a peak performance. But I do feel that 
in amongst that, you know, she was in amongst that trio of, um, you know, Hugh Jackman, Christian Bell and Michael Caine. You know, she was very much delivering a performance of the hardest caliber as that magician's assistant. And I really, I remember that story that, you know, she was, she was falling in love with one of the brothers played by Christian Bell, not realizing all the while that the, the other brother was the one that liked her. And I, I just thought that was a really well done movie all round. I think it's a movie that's due a rewatch, to be honest. So that was, that was my honorable mention was prestige. And then peak performance, as I say, I knew straight away, this is a movie that I think is underrated. I feel like it maybe flew under the radar and it's 2005's The Island, which I would say is one of the better movies from Michael Bay. We've talked about it when we did the Michael Bay peak performance. It's really high adrenaline. It's really great Saturday night action. She's so good opposite Ewan McGregor. I don't know. I don't know why this movie's so low. I was just looking at it on the ratings on Metacritic and on IMDb. I think it's superb and yeah it's my standout performance for Scarlett Johansson so yeah Prestige and The Island for me Dan. It's funny when you said The Island it got me thinking of not this movie it got me thinking of the movie about the uh, tidal wave in uh, Thailand Anyway, definitely a different I, movie. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I just I, I flipped the IMDb. It's for some reason I, whenever I hear the word the island, I think about that movie. Oh yeah, not the one that you're talking about. Uh, yeah, look, great choice, Paul. Um, I think for me, honourable mention. I'm going with a what I think is a, an underrated movie that you don't hear much about. It's 2013's Her. So this um, is a, a Spike Jones movie. Stars Joaquin Phoenix. Um, and Scarlett Johansson plays, she, she's not in the movie. She's, she's kind of the voice actor for, oh, right. um, for, a, a doll as such, uh, in the movie. And this is just such a incredible kind of under the radar, heartfelt sleeper movie. That's kind of, you know, it's, it's a little bit science fiction. It's, 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 it's a bit of a drama romance. It's, it's, this is a really good movie. And I think there's something about Scarlett Johansson's voice that just kind of works in this movie. Um, and so I've got to give it to her for honorable mention when, and I think it's always a big call when you're, you're not actually mm. physically starring. Um, but for peak performance, I, I just can't go past, um, her role as Black Widow in the Avengers series. And in particular, I'm going to call out Avengers Endgame as my sort of favorite Black Widow movie. I think her many arcs throughout the entire sort of Marvel MCU uh, comes to a, a great kind of conclusion uh, in this movie. And I think she deserves a lot of uh, praise and respect for the, for the work that she's done. So for me, 2013's Her and 2019's Avengers Endgame. Very good. It's interesting that you choose something where she's done a voiceover because she does a lot more voice work than I think a lot of people realise. Like, Because you and I enjoyed her in Art of Dogs, you know, that, mm. that role she played, and that was quite good. And, of course, she's she's gonna, she's gonna in the new Transformers doing a voiceover as well. So um, interesting how many people do that voice work. A bit like us, Paul, a, a faithful radio. <laughs> Correct. Absolutely Correct, Dan. Well, um, I will just take a look at the clock and mention, I didn't put it in the news bag, but someone said to me this week, they will remain nameless. They did say, cool, blimey, that was a long podcast last week, wasn't it? And it, and I had a look, it was over an hour and a half, which is our longest of the entire year. But it looks like this week, Dan, we've come in at just under a dollar ten. It's this is about animal then, so uh, this is this is good for us. But that does bring us to the end of another episode of the Half Measures podcast. Does indeed. Thanks as always for listening in, and yeah, I guess we'll see if we've got a government formed here in New Zealand by the time we record next week. Indeed, we shall. So, also a very special shout out to our Patreon producers, Samara Whiting King, Diana Kanawa, Trisha Brady, and Michael Chalmers. If you too would like to become a Patreon producer, then you can find those details in the show notes below. But until next week, everyone, adios.